welcome to the A through Z podcast, the soccer guide, everything you want to know about a couple of leagues that we're going to be focusing on. My name is Zach Burley. With me is Alex Lemus Calderon. We're glad to have you here. Thank you for listening. We're streaming to you. Well, we're recording it live. You're listening to it recorded from the beautiful campus of Campbell University in the city that never sleeps, Bowie's Creek, North Carolina. Thank you for tuning in. This is a soccer podcast where we're going to talk about a couple of European leagues as well as a uh, MLS and international football. We're going to have a good time. Alongside me is Alex. Why don't you give the folks at home a little reason why uh, they should listen to this? Because there's a million podcasts out there about soccer. Why, why should they listen to this one? Yes, Zach. First of all, thank you for that um, big and amazing introduce oh, thank you. of my name. Uh, it was great. I don't know if I said it right. Was it Zach? It was perfect. It was perfect. Okay. You got it. Uh, hey, folks. My name is Alex. Like Zach said, I'm originally from El Salvador, coming to the United States for college. Junior at Campbell University in the amazing and beautiful city of Buse Creek. Yep. We have this podcast coming up for you guys about soccer and everything you need to know about what's coming up and what's going on in the major leagues of soccer around the world. Uh, I think that, that you should listen to this podcast because we have two different why perspectives about soccer, sure. or how I would call it football. Yeah. That's right. I come from a Hispanic country where soccer is probably the main sport yeah. practiced by every single young people over there, which here in the U.S., you guys have football, basketball, golf. I still don't get why people play golf, no, but people actually do. Get that clear Absolutely. I'm, I want to apologize. We're already having people turn off. Thank you. Thank you for thing. that. I've seen the prizes at Dick's, and they're not cheap. They're <laughs> definitely not cheap. Uh, but yeah, folks, so we're going to start off by talking a little bit about the main teams in every major European league, as well as some international friendlies, friendlies which we have this upcoming weekend. Yeah, so why don't we go ahead and just lay out, just so everybody knows what we're going to do each week. We're going to cover, in specifically, the Premier League in England, La Liga in Spain, um, as well as Champions League, Europa League, international breaks, and because I've complained about it enough, we're also going to cover MLS. Thank you, Zach. Just, just so everyone knows, Alex is not a expert on MLS. I am not. But by the time we're done with this podcast, he will be. Hey, there's plenty of Hispanic people playing in MLS. I and might get into it. I know. We got Edwin, Edwin Seren playing for the Houston Dynamo. Yeah. So we got a couple of my folks over there. So we're definitely going to talk about it by the end of the season. Yep. So why don't we go ahead, now that you... And why I think why I think you should listen is because why not? You already listen to so much content. You're right. We do have two totally different perspectives. I mean, you come from a Latin American Absolutely. culture where yep. the outlook on soccer is going to be different than the one I have and someone in England has. So I mean, this is another perspective, another way that you can divulge into the world that is soccer because it's so unique, so wonderful, and it's just another way for you to consume content. So I hope that you do continue yep. to listen throughout all of this. Why don't you say um, a little bit about yourself, Alex? Not just who you are. Let's talk about like some favorite teams. Uh, maybe why you like soccer, something like that. What's your favorite team? Absolutely. My favorite teams right now, my one favorite team actually is Barcelona. Oh, uh, yeah. Originally. I was born and raised uh, watching Barcelona games, looking yeah. at Messi playing, Ronaldinho a little bit. I got to see him in his last um, couple of years in Barcelona. But I would say that's my favorite team, mm -hmm. Zach. Um, just love the atmosphere that they play in. Yeah. I love their tiki-taka back with Guardiola was in. Uh, but if you go further... Um, West, uh, in Europe, um, I will say that I'm a very huge Bayern München fan. I, I love German football. I love German just tactics in the World Cup as well as in their um, league teams. Mm -hmm. So I would say that Bayern is probably my favorite one there. I also support Juventus nice. a lot. Italian team, of course, Catenaccio de Vecchia Signora has people over there call it 
Um, and in England, I would say that I'm a big, big, and you'll like this, big Chelsea fan. Yes. That's yes. right. We got a Chelsea fan here in the house with us, too. Yeah. Um, I watch a couple of Chelsea games throughout the season. They have a very good, good team this year, I think. We're going to talk a, li- a little bit more yep. uh, further on in this. Preview. That's right. It's a preview so you guys can know what's going on after after a podcast. Um, yeah. So I grew up watching, playing soccer back home. Um, I think it's interesting how people from here didn't grow up watching soccer and you guys have seen especially that you love soccer you have seen how soccer has grown up so much in this past what five seven years yeah exactly i think we should prefix that by saying that we're both juniors in college so there's people out there that are a little bit older than us that probably have seen soccer Mm -hmm. grow more when we had the world cup here the growth of nasl all that stuff the growth of mls as a league but i think it's true that our generation is really seeing soccer expand and grow into what it really can be and it's going to continue to go on from there of course the debacle that happened at the world cup not making it in all that stuff we're experiencing all that as the first i think really true soccer generation and maybe even the one after us will be more into it hopefully as it grows but uh, absolutely it's interesting it's interesting because we we are kind of in that in that moment in soccer history in the united states Uh, a little bit about myself Uh, as alex mentioned i am a big chelsea fan um, there are some people who are going to hate me because of that, but hey, you know, London is blue. We are the only team in London with the European Cup. Sorry, everybody else. Uh, That's right. Brag about it. Brag yeah, about yeah. it. I fell in love with Chelsea uh, back in 2011, 2012-ish, kind of. That's the first season, I think, that Fox had the Champions League on air. Yes. And uh, that was the season, of course, that Chelsea won the Champions League. And I remember watching kind of the build-up stages. I didn't know anything about soccer. Right. I didn't care a bit about it, but I was just kind of watching and. Chelsea kept catching my eye through the the early stages, the group stages, and then they had the infamous game at Barcelona. Oh yeah, I remember absolutely. I remember uh, that game very much. Yeah, yep. and I mean Torres one on one with. I mean, because the whole thing was, man, they're two nil down, a man yes, down, sir. this is over. You know, because I didn't really like them, but you know, it was, I just like they caught my mm-hmm. eye. And then Ramirez chipped the goal, Valdez, I guess, and then Torres one on one. You know, that's one of the most famous goals in Champions League history. Zach, let me tell you, I remember the exact of that game. <laughs> I remember the not offside position that Torres started running towards the goal. Yeah, it was definitely after the last defender. But there's a rule in soccer in which says that if you're behind the middle field yep. line, you're not offside. So I exactly. remember that people were yeah, arguing they were about that. So high up to Absolutely, get the goal, yeah. and they, they were they just played him onside because he was in his own half, and that just I was like, I just went it crazy, and I never had a reason to. To support a team like that, but for some reason I kind of felt it. Yes. And then I, I didn't really know about it at the time, I guess, but of course the final was at Bayern Munich Stadium. It was. was. Bayern. Man, this is really hard for you, isn't it? All the teams it you like. It is pretty hard, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, um, we got Barcelona out, semifinals, and Bayern on the yeah. finals. So. I mean, and that was such an epic game. I mean, it, Bayern scored so late, and I was disappointed, but I wasn't really heartfelt. You know, it doesn't hurt as bad as it does now watching because I wasn't as connected, right. but I think when Drogba had scored that off the corner kick. Mm. I think that cemented it for me. I went crazy. It was just like this moment that I think I fell in love with the club. Wow. And then, of course, um, the Petr Cech save in extra time. That was crazy. And then the penalty shootout when Drogba scored. I mean, that was... I didn't even know who the man was, but I loved him. Um, and it was just... I became a Chelsea fan ever since. Wow. Um, so that's my story. Moving on to, to Spain. We're going to talk about that. I like Atletico Madrid. Um, awesome. I, it seems like Chelsea and Atletico always have like a bond. We signed a couple of their they players. They do have a bond, they yeah. They kind of signed a couple of ours. I love Diego Simeone's. I mean, you talk about the four-four-two. It's such a dated, a lot of people say it's a dated yeah. formation. But those two banks of four that he has with Atletico are impenetrable. 
I mean, you talk about one of the, probably the best defense in the world, honestly. They're probably. just a fantastic team, and I, I like yes. to watch them because they play a style that's not very common. It's not easy to do. Seven years of the same coach, let me tell you, oh, that yeah. that does something and, and for sure. I mean, I think they kind of go under the radar. You, you think of Barcelona, Real Madrid as the top teams, but I mean, Atletico has won two European Cups, something like that. Yes. Um, La Liga, which is almost impossible to do. Copa del Rey, I think. Mm-hmm. A Super Cup this past they year. They just won exactly. against Real Madrid. Yeah. Yes, I mean, they're I mean one of the most successful teams in Europe, despite the fact that I think they go under the radar because they play in such a high-profile league. But enough of all of that, because we've already spent a lot of time. Let's jump right in. We're going to start off with the Premier League. We're Absolutely. Gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to preview the game. We're going to review the games that just happened. And normally we would preview the games that are going to happen because of the international break. We're not going to this week. So let's dive right in. Um, one of the big games uh, was Liverpool-Leicester. 2-1 result for the Reds. 2-1. They keep their perfect record. Mm-hmm. Very tight game, I would say. I had the chance to watch it mm-hmm. for the first half. Just let me give you some stats. It was Leicester City 51% of the ball. Yeah. Liverpool 49. Which you, is surprising because you know, Liverpool normally is you know up in that. Position. Very surprising. They were playing. Liverpool was playing away in their field. Mm-hmm. So that gives you something that feels very harsh, especially with just winning a Premier League not long ago yeah. uh, for Leicester City. Uh, but yeah, just the possession gives you gives you an idea how tied the game was. Yeah. And Liverpool was was pretty poor, honestly. I mean, they they scored and then Alisson had that terrible mistake. It where was a mistake. Liverpool's goalkeeper has just been having this curse this past year. It seems year, like whoever maybe. it is, yeah, whoever it is, yeah. Uh, Cardi has just had that awful performance in the Champions League final, nevertheless against Real Madrid, and now this new goalkeeper, seventy five million dollars, yeah, paid for this goalkeeper and still messed up. But you know. Things happen in the game. Liverpool is just bad luck with goalkeepers yeah. now, but they'll keep moving forward. And that's that's the thing is, is that that's the difference between a top four team and a title winning team is one Absolutely. that can go away, go you know go down a goal or get tied in the game and they can come back and win it because Liverpool didn't play great. They weren't the best. I mean, they were arguably not the best team on the pitch. I'd say Leicester really gave it to them, but they still managed to get the win, and that's what you have to have in order to go out and win the title. I think in Absolutely. previous seasons. They would not have won that game. And that's the difference. Like I said, that that would have put them in second place. That would have put them below Manchester City if the rest of the results would have gone the same way. So Absolutely, stepping yeah. up in that match, I mean, it was, it's a big-time result for them. So I yeah. think that in those crucial moments, if they can keep having those the rest of the season, they might win the title. But that's well, for later. Absolutely. That's for later on in the season. It's too early, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll get for that. But I'm just going to say that the coach's impression on the team has really made a difference in Liverpool. Mm-hmm, yeah. Jurgen Klopp is top or for me personally, uh, coaches in the world. And you can see from three years ago until right now how much further Liverpool has gotten in their game. Like you're saying, probably four four years ago, Liverpool wouldn't have won that game. There would be probably a tie or home team would have won that game. But today they pulled out, they got that game, um, scored two goals for Mino and Sadio Mane for, for Liverpool. And Rashid gets sold for Leicester City, which is funny because Liverpool was 2-0 at one point in the game. Before the first half, they were 2-0. And after um, Leicester got in the game but couldn't make it through uh, the final, um, I'm just going to mention something very exciting about Leicester City. This guy that scored the goal, Rashid Gazal, he's originally from Algeria, but he was born in France, actually. Hmm. And what I think about funny... Uh, it's funny about him, besides, you know, being a good player and right winger, 
is that he only weighs 148 pounds. Wow, that's light, and that's light for a player. That is very light, especially for English soccer. Yeah, you're going up against big center backs. I mean, they're, they're pushing 200 about, and those guys, I mean, they're going to knock you around. They, they are, especially Liverpool's new addition to the team, defender, mm-hmm. mid, uh, central defender, Van Deer. Which yeah, Virgil van Dijk, he's a, I mean, that guy's a beast. He's a beast. He, I think he has the best record for defenders now in the Premier League. Best tackles, best steals. Um, and if you see that guy, you get scared. That guy, guy is pretty, pretty big. Yep. Um, just to finish it up with a comment, uh, he went from Olympique de Lyon to Monaco in a bye session. Then from Monaco, he just spent a half a season there and moved to Leicester for ten million pounds. Yeah, I mean Monaco is, I mean, just a, a breeding ground for really top they are, level players. They are. Let me tell you, they are. There's a lot of talent that has gotten out of Monaco to the bigger teams in Europe. It's disappointing though, because if you think about it, imagine the the team they would have if they hadn't sold their players off. I mean, oh, Mbappe, Jean Moutinho, um, Bernardo Rodriguez. Silva, yeah, James Rodriguez. Uh, Falcao was really Falcao good there for a while. Falcao was there too, yeah. Um, is he, he's still there, though. I mean, but Falcao's he was, still I there. Mean, even before before he left on those loans, mm-hmm. I mean, he was dominant. Right before the World Cup in 2014. That's right. He was dominant. So Monaco's one of those teams that you just know they're going to buy for cheap good players. They're going to sell them yep. for a buy ridiculous low, amount high. of money. Yeah. I mean, hey, it's, it, they're making money. It's so business. Not, that's right. And they're not doing too bad either. They're not. Anything else on that game? No, I don't think so. We should move on to our next game, I think. Um, Arsenal, another one of the big ones in England, uh, had a weekend game this past weekend against Cardiff City, which was actually a good result for them, 2-3 for Arsenal. uh, Almost in the last-minute goal, scored by Lacazette. He smashed French guy. Amazing goal. I got to see the goal actually this morning. It was an amazing shot. Right shot, right to the corner. Goalkeeper couldn't do anything at all. Yeah, it was a good one. And the interesting thing is that, you know, Cardiff hadn't even scored a goal before they came into this game. So that was three games, no goals. And, I mean, the score – I mean, you talk about scoring two against a top team. I mean, but Arsenal is, is known for their defensive uh, liabilities that they have. But I really didn't know what was going to happen in that match, honestly. It's just Arsenal this season are so unstable. They are. And they have been in, in seasons past as well, whether it be defensively or offensively. But it just – they seem so shaky and – I don't know whether Unai Emery has had enough time or if the style he's playing with isn't hasn't clicked with the players. I mean, obviously you have to give a manager time, but something's not quite right just yet. Uh, but, I mean, the attacking firepower they have eventually did pay off for them. And they, they got the three points that they really needed, honestly. They really needed that. And just to add to your comment about Unai Emery, I remember the guy while well, he was coaching in Sevilla, mm-hmm. playing against Barcelona, Real Madrid, so, uh, Valencia. It was a great team. But when he moved to PSG after that, I think he lost completely his focus of attention when yeah. it came to soccer. I don't know what happened because of the stars, Neymar there, you know, Mbappé, Cavani, and all the big names out there in PSG. Maybe he kind of lost track of what he wanted or could do in that mm-hmm. team. And I think that's a little bit of what's going on right now in Arsenal, to be honest with you. I feel like he has such great, great names on this team. Alexis Sanchez. Uh, oh, he's not there anymore. Oh, sorry. Sorry. You're good. I know. It's, I think of that, too. It's still hard to think of him in the name. Yeah, I was you're thinking good. about the other one. Uh, uh, Mayan. Sorry. Yeah. Aboumeyan. Uh, just big names out there. And I just think, like, he is a great coach. I won't, I won't deny that. But he's just not really quite up there with the top five, six coaches in and, the world. And you give him a hard time because he hasn't been there so long. I think, you know, by the end of the season, we'll have to see. I think that top four is 
really what Arsenal need. I mean, any of the top six, they, yeah. they're fighting for that. At least two of them that are going to be left out. But it, I think it's going to be a tough climb for them to make it in the top four. But, you know, it's still early on in the season. Yeah, still early on. And going back to the game, um, Arsenal had historically the advantage towards that team. Uh, we got some results from the past. Arsenal won 2-1. Uh, in 2006 in the, you know, previous FA Cup, uh, then 0-0 in 2009. Uh, Arsenal actually won 4-0 one time in 2009 in the FA Cup. Um, last two results were 3-0 for Arsenal in an away game in the EPL in 2000, 2013, and 2-0 for Arsenal in 2014 for the EPL. So if you can see, it was probably... In numbers, a game that Arsenal had to win, yeah. but it was way more interesting than that. Yeah, exactly. You look at the you look at the score lines that it's been over the year. And you say Cardiff did pretty well in the end to to stay in that game. So, anything else on that one? Um, I think we should move on to the next next one. Alrighty, so we're gonna switch over to my team if you don't mind. Absolutely. Chelsea. You mean Manchester? Oh uh, no 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 no. Okay, Chelsea, Chelsea then. to <laughs> Bournemouth nil. I I watched that game and it just had me. So nervous because Bournemouth, you know they they are they've been in the Premier League for a while, and that's not something that's an easy task to do. And they had the same coach, which is something that seemed pretty odd for especially for lower tiered teams. A lot of times they get in, doesn't work out, fire the guy, rotate it around. But I think that their resilience and sticking with Eddie Howe has been great. I think it's paid off for them. They're a very well organized team, they a are. team that can really hurt the big teams. Uh, I think where they struggle more is with the lower teams, but. They just they packed it in against us. We had a hard time moving the ball, uh, getting in advanced areas, and really making anything out of the play. But eventually, stepped up and got the win. I mean, there was just those crucial moments. Pedro's goal, loops into three on the season. He's one of the leading scorers, right behind uh, Mane and Mitrovic. Uh, but I, you know, it was a good goal from the top of the box. If you didn't see it, it was and, a great goal. Yeah, and Eden Hazard getting on the score sheet again. It's always good to see him scoring. Uh, it just it was continuous, continuous pressure. The, the goals were scored later in the second half, and you know it just you know you, as a defensive team when you set up like that, you have to weather the storm, mm-hmm. and they weathered it yeah. for a lot of it. But they in did. the end, they just couldn't keep it out. And thankfully for Chelsea, at least they got the result. At least they got the result. Yeah, it was an intense game. Let me tell you, yeah. um, like you were saying, Pedro's goal was not until the seventy-second minute, mm-hmm. which is deep into the second yeah. half. Uh, Hazard's goal was in the eighty-fifth minute. So still, you know, just five minutes away yeah. from the final whistle. Um, just give you some um, some facts about the game. Chelsea had seventy three percent of the possession of the ball, and that wasn't even as high as it got in certain periods of the match. It got probably to ninety two. I would say <laughs> yeah. I saw one stat during the game that it was ninety two. It's ridiculous. You yeah. can see uh, Chelsea's pressure there. They've been playing great soccer. I would say yeah. different from their old coach. I think this new coach is just giving them a new perspective on the same way that they used to play soccer. I don't know if I, I should explain myself more in that, but they still play the same soccer that they've been playing for the past four years. But there's just some spicing there, some something going on that's just giving more rhythm, just giving more speed. Yep, and it's interesting to see because they're, I mean, Maurizio Sarri, Italian coach, Antonio Conte, Italian coach, very different ways very. of playing. Antonio Conte, master of the back three. And then Maurizio, sorry, master of the 4-3-3. Four, four, uh, four, three, three. Yeah. It's just totally different ways of playing. Maybe it doesn't look all that different once it gets going. It's very flowing, I agree. But I was worried when Sorry came in because everyone always talks about attacking football. Yeah. Which is wonderful to watch, but it's hard to do. It is And hard. I'd much rather win a game and not have, you know, but 20% of the possession 
than squeak by and have 80. You know, I don't really care about the possession. It's all about the, the win, you know. So yeah. I was worried when he came in that it was just going to be nothing but one-way traffic and we weren't going to get anything done or we didn't have the players to do it. Uh, but we made some huge signings. Uh, Jorginho is an amazing... Jorginho is an amazing He midfielder. really is. He doesn't look like it. You look at him, he looks like a regular old guy. He doesn't look like he could be boss on a midfield because yep. he's kind of smaller. But, I mean, he's a general out there. Kovac, um, Kovacic uh, from Real Madrid. Great player. Top class. I mean, I, next time I challenge you, next time you watch that Chelsea game, see him on the ball and see Hazard on the ball. I cannot keep them apart. They look yep. so much the same they when do. they're on the ball. They do. I have such a hard time separating them. He's top class. And then, of course, N'Golo Kante in there. I mean, we already had mm. him, but it's just that that three in the midfield are just dominant. And they I think, are. I think that combination will work for what he wants to do. But it is interesting to kind of contrast to how the back three worked and the wing backs were so successful. But I think eventually people kind of figured that out and were like, okay, well, we know how to break that down right. now and found weaknesses in that back line. And eventually, why well, I disagreed with the sacking of Antonio Conte. I'm not too disappointed because it's worked out so far. It has. It has. Conte's Juventus was one of the best teams out there. Mm-hmm. They got to the Champions League final. They killed Serie A in Italy. So I can see what people think is a good coach, and he definitely is. And like just like you, I was a little bit concerned with the new coach because I thought Italian, same kind of game. Where's the attacking coming up, mm-hmm. coming from? Like you're saying, we've got some good signs. But just, just give you these stats on this game. We had 24 shots the goal only six of them went right to the goalie though but 24 shots that's way better than the past games last um season yep um mouth only had uh eight which just one of them was uh direct to the goalie so great players um i think it's unfortunate that courtois had to leave especially since real madrid didn't really need a goalkeeper it's more That's like a business. That's it is a very interesting one we can, we'll, we can touch on that now and we can talk about it more in depth later but uh just, just to just to kind of say a quick thing about it, as a football move, I think it was a good one for both teams. Really, um, as a Chelsea fan, I'm glad it's gone. Mm. Uh, I thought his attitude, especially in the last year or two of his contract right. from the time he was with us, was very poor. He, in my, I will, I will always say that he's one of the best goalkeepers. I mean, to me, his shot stopping ability, there's no one on the earth better than him. I mean, David de Gea is right there with him. I'm not saying that he's better than de Gea. Mm-hmm. But as far as shot stopping goes, no one is better than him. Other areas, he he lacked sometimes in key moments when we played Barcelona last season. Oh, yeah. I mean, he just he didn't quite show up, and that's kind of how he's been the last few years. Right. I know he's a top class goalkeeper, but he just hasn't shown up. His attitude wasn't there for me, and I'm actually really happy with Kepa Arita Balaga. Uh, oh, you got that last name? I'm surprised. Wow. Yeah, people well, I didn't have say hard time I didn't getting say that last name. Accent, cause I'd say they have the Arita Balaga. Yeah, yeah, I can't from do that. Spain. But yeah, he's he's. A top quality young center back. I'm he gonna is. be interested to see if if he gets some minutes over De Gea and these international breaks that we have because he's got the ability to pass the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think in he played uh, in La Liga, he was one of the best as far as long what? passes go, short passes go. He got some good stats behind him. We spent a lot of money, but in the end, for a player that's younger, I think it was money well spent, especially considering that he's basically gonna be free this first year with the way it works out with the contract and everything like that. For this first season, is we basically already haven't paid for. So, in the end, I think that was a good move for us, uh, kind of getting out that almost like a toxic vibe that we had with Courtois. I think the situation is different with Azard because the, the rumor yeah. was the same thing: Azard's going to leave, 
but Hazard to me is committed to the club. Hazard made it clear from yeah, the very beginning. Rumors started coming up. He was, I'm staying at Chelsea and I'm mm-hmm. not moving anywhere. Yeah. So I think that was good uh, for the supporters of Chelsea and for their manager actually. Yeah. And I think he would leave if the if the move came. He would leave, and I think he he may even want to leave. But he also knows he has a contract with Chelsea and he's yep. not going to disobey that. A lot of players they don't care. They'll talk bad. They'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. Willian talked bad about Antonio Conte when he was there. Of course, the infamous FA Cup incident where he put the trophy emojis over he Antonio Conte. Yeah. A lot of players will disobey or act out even though they have a contract. I think Eden Hazard is a classy guy. If he moves, he moves. He's okay with that, but he knows he has a contract and he has certain rules and things to obey while he's here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that he's a top-class guy for doing that. I really I really respect him. Leave it a background on that um, conversation we just had. Uh, Thibaut Courtois from Belgium was the ex-Chelsea's uh, goalkeeper. Uh, he moved uh, to Real Madrid about four days before the market closed. Mm-hmm. Um, but given the fact that Real Madrid already has one of the best goalkeepers in the world, Keylor Navas from Costa Rica, I feel like it was just necessary. They had a second goalkeeper already for Navas. But Florentino Perez, you know that guy, he always gets what he wants. Uh, Cristiano left Real Madrid this season, so they had to bring someone. Regardless of the position, they just needed a break name out there. And Thibaut Courtois, thankfully for Chelsea, out of that toxic vibe. But now for Real Madrid, they have two great goalkeepers. We'll see how the season goes for them. Yeah, and we'll and we'll touch on that we'll, later. We'll get on that later. All right, we yeah. can keep moving on to Manchester City, Newcastle. Absolutely. 2-1 win for the men in sky blue. That moves them up to 10 points on the season. Of course, they had that draw earlier. That doesn't put them up there with the top uh, three. They're all tied on 12, but... In the end, I kind of think it's kind of the same thing with Liverpool. They struggled a little bit, but yep. in the end, they got the result they needed. Um, DeAndre Yedlin, just to mention him, he's got, I think, goals in back-to-back games. Technically three if you count the own goal that he scored Yeah. Um, for, for Chelsea. Thank you very much, DeAndre. Um, <laughs> so I think he's the first American to score back-to-back goals and since, I don't know, since somebody. Maybe wow. Brian McBride or something like that. I forget wow. who it is, but um, kind of interesting. But like I said, they got the job done when they needed to. Um they look like they're kind of the old city. They look like they're they're going to keep going. They're going to challenge. They struggled in that draw with Wolves, but I think you could say that the referee, I mean, honestly, the referee would have made a different decision and a couple of times they would have won. So Probably, yeah. It's interesting to see how it unfolds. It's going to be hard to be as good as they were last year. I don't even think it's possible to do what they did last year. So when you hold them to those expectations, anything's going to be a disappointment. So I Absolutely. Think, I think that they are absolutely title contenders. Uh, but I don't know if that's where they'll end up at the end of the season. I have no idea. <laughs> well, uh, just a little bit about that game. Uh, funny enough, I remember Newcastle from this movie. I don't know if you watch it or not. It's called it's called Goal. I haven't seen it, but I, I haven't know seen it. About. It's a great soccer movie. Every soccer people love it. Uh, when I talk to them, it's about this guy from Mexico actually who um, came to the country, the U.S. illegally. Um, he, he was 21. Someone saw him at a park playing. Hmm. He invited to go over Newcastle to prove himself for Newcastle's team. He made it. He became a great star. You should watch that movie, definitely. Great movie to recommend. Uh, so I know a little bit about the culture in Newcastle. Yeah. They have a great and strong soccer culture, one of the biggest one in England, I would say. But this game was definitely for Manchester United. They struggled, like you're saying, 2-1. That's not a city. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you said. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Manchester City. Um. Two one, they struggled with the, with the score. It wasn't four zero. It wasn't five zero. Which is what we're typically used to saying. Exactly, yeah. Uh, especially for uh, Pep Guardiola's teams, way they, they always play good. Um, Seventy eight possession of the ball from Manchester City. 
you can see that's very useful for them, believe it or not, even when they play big teams like Arsenal and Liverpool. Yeah. They they have great control over the ball. 24 shots in this game, eight of them went to the target uh, and only two goals. So you can see how close that was um, to score even more goals. Yeah. But yeah, one of those funny games where you don't know if they're going to knock out five goals or they're just going to be 1-0. Exactly. You know? Uh, just the beginning of the season, only the fourth game. We'll see what happens um, from a couple names, games from now on. I think they are definitely contest- contestants, as you are saying, but they are definitely going to have more struggle this year to win the title uh, than they have had in the past years. Just because teams are more competitive, they're just getting big-name players out there. Um, even smaller teams like Fulham have bought – absolutely great players not at a cheap price a lot of money 110 pounds actually million pounds which is not usual for a team that just got relegated for the first division so we'll see what happens um great game for the city people uh but now i think let's move on to the other team in manchester manchester united smooth transition transition. thank (laughs) you thank you i've heard that a lot of times uh they won Surprise, Woo! surprise, surprise for Manchester after all the problems and all the talky trash all the Jose from haters. all the Jose haters out there. I think I'm one myself, to be honest with yeah. you. Never liked the guys. And he was in Madrid. Great things in inter- international, um, Inter of Milan back in Italy. But ever since he moved from there, I don't think he has be- become any better than he was before. Yep. But yeah, going back to the game. Uh, 2-0 for Manchester. Uh, Lukaku scored two goals at the 27th and 44th minute with a red card uh, for Manchester at the 71st minute for Rashford. I don't know if you saw that game or not. I did. Uh, we were down in Orlando and we watched the Chelsea game on Saturday and then watched the Man. I have a friend who's a big Manchester Oh, good. Fan, and uh, we watched that one too. So I uh, had the barricade seeing those pink kits. I don't know. What's your opinion on the pink kits? Did you see him? Uh, you're not going to like me for these, but I do like them. I'm kind of torn on them. They're not pink enough for me. Like, they're very light. You remember, you ever seen the, uh, the Palm, uh, what is it? It's not Palmero. I think maybe it is Palmero. They have a light pinkish kit. Yeah. It's not bad. Lazio I, had one last um, season for their yeah, away I'm kit. I'm torn. I'm torn on it. I don't dislike it. I don't know if I like Manchester United's version of it a whole lot. Um, right. I'm kind of torn, but I don't know. Anyways. It's a good contrast between red and pink, to be honest. But yeah, that's true. But I can see why people don't actually get to enjoy watching uh, it. The jury's still out. We'll see. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, great game for Manchester. They needed that win desperately. Yep. Uh, Jose was in that path of not knowing what to say or what to do. Paul Pogba, uh, Pogba's declarations these past few days have been up in the air with his possible transition of teams for these next um summer um winter break mm-hmm. uh for the market um he definitely did not get the transition to barcelona this past market but rumors were up there uh he hasn't clarified if he's gonna stay there and with the team not playing as great in this past few games then they definitely needed that win and it, well you saw the game so you know that they played really good mm-hmm. i was actually very surprised on how good they played Definitely a uh, different Manchester United from the one we saw um, last weekend. Yep. Uh, great control of the ball, great movement. Um, Alexis was just right there on point. First assist was from him to Lukaku, actually. Great um, um, center right straight to the area, to the small box. Lukaku was a great guy to be around with if you want to score goals. Um, but I want to talk something funny besides the fact that they played a good game. 
uh, this Rashford kid who got a red card, I saw the replay several times, and I could not see why the ref gave him a red card. If you saw the play, it was just a tackle made by one of the def defenders uh, of Burnley to him. Then they got into this, like, argument, no, you know, head-to-head, head head. Head head, that's right. But then after that, the referee uh, got involved, and he gave the other guy a yellow card. But then he gave Rashford a red card. Yeah. Which was funny to me, I don't know if it was the pressure of being in an away field or just, you know, he got confused. But it was just something funny that definitely didn't have an impact on the score, but it had an impact on the game. Yeah, I mean, whenever it was the headbutt thing, I mean, yeah. it's it's kind of petulant. You got you know whether or not you agree with whether or not it should have been a red card. As a player, you know if you do something like that, that you're probably going to get sent off. Yeah. Um, I don't personally, I mean, literally the guy touched him with his forehead. That's mm -hmm. not violent play. I don't think he ever intended to hurt him. It's just in the heat of the moment, he put his forehead right. to the other guy's forehead. And I think they both should have got off with yellow cards. I think the fact that, I know whenever they say you touch someone's face, that's instantly, you know, grounds for a red card. Right. I think that's a bit overstated. Uh, but as a player, you have to know that when you start doing stuff like that, you have a chance of being sent off. So, should it have been a red card? I don't think by the rules yes i guess it should be as should it be a rule i don't think so i think it's a i think in that case you can see that i think a yellow card for both players would have been fine um i think the same way especially in english soccer which you see stuff like that happen in every single weekend so it's it's one of those things like corner kicks you might uh give a penalty on those corner kicks but it happens every single time so yeah, you don't so really know so absolutely yeah That's and they don't have they a need v a r we're going to talk about that uh later on today actually for yep. the spanish league very interesting things happen and mls and mls as well yeah that's right um well some um some of the manchester united next games are at what for playing away um, that'll be interesting very interesting um game we're going to talk about more in that is a very hard field to be on let me tell you the atmosphere there is just amazing great um number of people that can get in that field so it's going to be a great game for them i think then we go to the champions league they play an away game at the young boys field then they play at home game again Wolves Wolverhampton and then they play for the cup at Old Trafford against Derby County. So there you go, couple of good games in those next four games that we just talked about. Um anything else you want to add to that game, Zach? Um not really about the game. It's just looking at the table, two wins, two losses, six points. They're six behind the leaders. Um obviously not a place you want to be in and as a Chelsea fan, I absolutely know the whole thing about what happens when Mourinho starts to go downhill. I understand that. I, I agree that he, in my opinion, he will go down as one of the greatest managers ever because he yeah. achieved some incredible things with Porto, with Chelsea at a time when they weren't the club that they are now, despite the fact that, well, many people think they don't, but they did have a history before 2004. But he took that team, transformed it into one of the greatest that the Premier League's ever seen um, and was perhaps unjustly fired. Whenever he starts to lose that locker room, you can tell that there's a change. And I think he's kind of become more fed up with him. In the past, he would take his yeah. losses, leave the team or whatever. Now, I think he kind of feels unjustly done by the media, which yep. is why, you know, I don't know if you saw him storm out of that thing where he was, respect, man, respect. I mean, that's that's classic. I, it's much more fun to watch him implode when you're not. Classic Mourinho. Yeah, so I think, I think he's kind of become a little bit more whiny, which is annoying for fans of a team and not of a team, but... I, we'll have to see. If, if It's just a matter of results. If the next few games come out as wins, he could end up with the 
the end of the year still being a Manchester United coach. All about results. If they, if they lose the next game, those things snowball. You know, they continue to get worse and worse and worse and just downhill. So it was a big-time win. I think they really needed it. Burnley, of course, they were fantastic last season. Finished something like seventh, qualified great, for the Europa great team League. Last Still haven't won this year through four games, which is disappointing. I think Sean Dyche is a top quality manager, especially for a team like the size of Burnley. Talking about defending well, um, that's a team that does it. So let's go ahead and hop over to the last game we're really going to focus on, which is Watford Tottenham. We were talking about Watford. They're one of the three teams that are still perfect. Four games, four wins, 12 points. Big-time win over Tottenham. It's not an easy team to play. Not an easy team. Um, yeah. And you're talking about a Tottenham team that hasn't really changed over the past couple of years. It's the same stars, the same names, doing the same thing, which is winning and scoring goals. But I think over a period of time, teams eventually kind of figure it out. They watch enough film. They see what people do. It's really hard to continue to motivate and recycle those players to keep getting good results out of them. Not that those players aren't good enough to do it. You have some of I mean, Harry Kane probably – one of the top strikers in the world. Dele Alli is amazing. Christian Eriksen. I mean, some really, Hugo Lloris anchors the back line. Some really top quality guys. Yeah. But it's so hard to continue to be inventive when you have the same group of players see a season after season. And this one didn't go their way. Uh, Tottenham nine points, one win behind the top. But Watford sitting up there, that's who I was going to focus on as a uh, standout for the Premier League for me is them. They've been fantastic so far and they've got a big test against Manchester United in their next they game. Do. They That'll do. be interesting to see who comes out on top of that one because you know I saw an interesting statistic. Their record last season was whatever whatever it was. Wins, losses, and draws. Their finish last season was something like 11th. It was the exact same record and finish as Leicester City the season before they won the title. Wow. So they're saying the same numbers of wins, draws, and losses. The same position. And this season, mm. they've got four games and four wins. I'm not making any conclusions. I'm just saying the stats are there. Maybe they're going to be the Premier League champions. Well, that's a that's a great statement. <laughs> Probably Sag. the most bold thing you're going to the hear. The most ever. bold thing you're going to hear in podcast history. Yep. But could happen. Um, that Leicester City title was probably one out of a thousand. Uh, thing and um, yeah, some great statements. Statements right there. I'm not saying they have not started good. They are pretty good. Uh, only four games to the, into the season, though. We'll see how Manchester City, United, Liverpool, all the big names, uh, develop themselves when their teams and managers are in point. So yeah, we'll we'll have to keep an eye on them. Um, like you're saying, going back to your comment about Tottenham, they didn't buy any players this this market. They just stayed with the ones they had from last um, season. Great names. But I think it's funny how a manager in a club gets to interact with their players in a way that they want to keep playing for that team. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, or you know, maybe just an overstatement, but they are not going to win the Champions League or Europa League this season. Just straight over, I'm telling you right now. So the fact that great players has um, uh, Ericsson and Son and Deli Alley, you know, all these great names, young players out there, that they definitely could start in a different team in Europe, a bigger and, you know, most, more likely to win a Champions League team. True. But they decided to stay there. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Pretty curious to see how the uh, environment develops within Tottenham's uh, walls. Yep. Um, Argentino is a good manager, and I think they kind of put their faith in him. Just a quick note. Son, of course, won the Asian Cup he did. final with South Korea. And, of course, that 
uh, was necessary if he didn't want to have to serve the mandatory 21 months of military wow, service. Good so for him. I, that, that's crazy to think that even exists. I mean, he was 28, I think. Now he'd be 30 by the time he got out, over 30, you know, or more than that, I guess. Yeah. Um, that's two years of his career, more than two years of his career that was beat. Yeah, that's so, amazing for him. Good news. Good so. news for Son. All right, to wrap up the Premier League, I just want to mention very quickly um, West Ham, four games, all losses. Manuel Pellegrini, uh, won the title with Manchester City as the manager there. Rough time. Yeah. They don't have that bad of a squad. Chicharito, Arnautovic, um, what is his name? Yarmolenko, they just signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have good names. Good, good Anderson, names. Anderson, they just signed the guy from Lazio. I forget his name. Uh, we'll, we'll have to, yeah, we have, have to, to look search up. those I forget names. what his name is. They just signed him from Lazio. They've got some quality players, but for some reason they just can't seem to work anything out. For me, that falls on the coach whenever whenever they just can't. And like I said, it's early still. But as a fan of West Ham, I would imagine you kind of want to be competing for Europe every season. Absolutely. Maybe not the Champions League because that's hard to do. But Europa League, I mean, if you can push 7th, 6th yeah. or 7th every season, that's big time. So it's to be the time. bottom of the table, dead bottom, the only yeah. team that doesn't have a point, that's super disappointing. And, uh, Especially I, I, names hope they turn it I hope they turn it around because I do like having West Ham in the league. And I certainly don't want to see them relegated. Knowing Pellegrini, though, I would say that they will. It will take them a couple of games, yeah. even more, to you know get their feet back in the game. Uh, but they do have great names. Probably not people that are gonna be you know fifty, sixty million pounds in the market. But they do have good names, yep. good experienced players. Chicharito, you're saying Mexican guy. He's been in Manchester United. Um, spent there a couple seasons, so he has some experience. But you know, it's just one of those things that the team has to. Get adjusted to the new coach, new atmosphere, you know, new teams in the league. So I would definitely think that they would get their feedback up in the game, but it will take them a couple of games, losses even, to get up there. All right, anything else in the Premier League? Uh, just want to mention the top scorers, actually. And yep. I know we're only four, um, four games into the season, but Liverpool's uh, Sané already has four goals, along with Alexander Mitrovic from Fulham. One of their signings this season, actually. was He's been acting and giving some good performances out there. And tied up with three goals each is Sergio Aguero from Manchester City, Richardson from Everton, Romeo Lukaku from Manchester United, Pedro from Chelsea, and Lucas Moura from Tottenham, the Brazilian um, guy that's up there in the last one of those people that have three goals so far in the Premier League. Um, Don't forget Glenn Murray. He's yeah. got three as well from Brighton. Now. That's right. That's right. Uh, just want to mention the goalkeeper that has gotten the last um, goalies so far. We have Allison Liverpool's also um, up there number one in the list uh, with three times without having received any goals. Kepa, new Chelsea sign with two times as well as Neil Heatherditch uh, and Alex McCarthy. Then with one, you got David De Gea, Joe Hart, and Hugo Joris, the French guys. The last one up there in the list. Uh, but yeah, that's everything I have for the Premier League. I, don't yeah, know if I you just want to say quickly, else. Benjamin Mendy, four assists. Guy's coming off a big-time injury. He was out all of last season. Yeah. 22 years old, I think, something like that. Frenchman. He's a top quality signing. I think they got him from Monaco, too. Uh, we're going to have to watch him. I mean, already has four assists. He's crucial for them down the wings as far as uh, an attacking wing back goes. So we'll have to see how he continues, if it's just an early season form or what. But Absolutely. He, he looks top quality. 
Alright, well, let's move on to the next league that we're going to be focusing on, La Liga. La Liga League, my league, Spanish league. We got the best teams in that league as far as championship, champion leagues and European trophies goes. We got Barcelona, Real Madrid, and a couple of great, great teams that people, I think, should take their time and watch them, actually. Uh, Sevilla, Valencia, and Atletico de Madrid, your team, Zach. So I think we should start off by talking about this huge derby that went on this past weekend. Sevilla versus Betis. In front of 60,000 people in Benito Villamarín Stadium. Um, let me tell you, I've seen a couple of Betis games. So you can say all this stuff in Spanish. That's the reason you like it. Because you can just you can show Of course, of course. I got to embrace that. You know, yeah. I don't get to do that a lot while here at Campbell. <laughs> so just embrace that during the podcast. Of course, I'm going to say all the names has the way they're supposed please, to be please. said. Yeah, of course. Um, just funny, Derby from Sevilla, both teams from uh, that town, Sevilla, amazing town, actually, you should Google it, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, bet this one, 1-0. One um, funny enough, this guy that scored the goal, Joaquin, in the 80th minute, he came as a sub at the 75th minute. This guy's 38 years old. Let me let me that let me get that sink in for a minute. Thirty eight years old. He's still getting it. Almost he in a is absolutely. He's a club's legend. When he scored that goal, I have his um, what he said after the the match. He said this was for the dream derby. Even though I played in many of them, this is what I dreamed of. Joaquin said just just those words. And when he said them, I saw the interview and he was just pouring his eyes out towards the crowd. He was just so excited. He has played in Betis for so long now. And the fact that he got to score this goal while he was 38 years old, just amazing. A great header, actually. It wasn't like an easy goal. It was just a center. He got up. He hit that ball towards the net. Great goal. But, yeah, that was a great derby. That uh, field is not easy. Barcelona, Real Madrid, all the big clubs in Spain have had troubles in that field for several years now. Uh, Barcelona, I think last season was the first time they won um, after not winning for like three years in that field. Mm -hmm. So that just gives you an idea of how how harsh that field is. Uh, Sevilla, always there. Uh, Always probably in the top four, I would say, for these past few years. They have gotten a great team. They just sold one of his best midfielders, um, uh, Enzoa, the African guy slash European. Uh, but they still up there. They haven't played any big teams besides this derby right here. Uh, but I think they're going to keep fo- keep going forward this season. Um, it's always interesting to see a, a match between Sevilla and Atletico or Sevilla and Valencia. Of course, the big-time um, teams like Barcelona and, and Real Madrid. But I feel like they can do something this year. They're going to have a great competition because Valencia just got a lot of good, good, good players um, in their squad for this year. Um so it's going to be interesting to see how they perform against each other because they always end up either one behind the other or one above the other in the table. So we'll see how that struggle goes throughout the season. But I think they're going to do a great, great job. Um, I'm happy that Betis won this game. It was just emotional for them. It was emotional for the fans, emotional for the people that went to the stadium, emotional for the uh, Spanish uh, press, sport press, uh, that just got that game like it was a Barcelona playing Real Madrid game. So I'm happy for that. Uh, great game. I don't know if you saw the game, Sack, but um, let me tell you, it was, one, it was one of the most exciting games of the season, and we had them, and we had it just, you know, three three um, games into the season. 
as if anyone, if, you, if any of you listening can tell, Alex is the expert on La Liga. Uh, moving on <laughs> to the next one, uh, Celta Vigo two, Atletico Madrid nil. Pretty big result. I mean, you think of Atletico as really one of the top teams in Spain, and for Celta to, I mean, pretty comfortably beat them two nil. Uh, I mean, pretty big result for them. Puts them up third behind the two big teams and leaves Atletico languishing on four points down in tenth. So. Big time result for them. Big time result, yeah. It was a pretty even game, 50-50 possession at the end of the match. So that gives an idea how the ball was kind of distributed between um, Celta de Vigo and Atletico de Madrid. Uh, interesting enough, Atletico didn't have any shots on target. They had 10, and none of them was uh, directed towards Oblak. Uh, Celta de Vigo had 10 uh, shots, and four of them went on target. So that just gives you a perspective on how the result went even. Uh, 2-0, sure result. People don't actually see Celta de Vigo as a big contender because you guys, we, we have Atletico, we have Valencia, we have Sevilla, all the big teams that we just talked about. But they are up there and they have the the people and the field and the game to make an awkward game towards the big, big time uh, teams in La Liga. Uh, there was a red car in the 70th minute to, for Stefan um, Savic. Atletico, um, the guy is a very savage defender, I would say. Uh, it was a pretty harsh tackle towards the Celta de Vigo's player. Um, other than that, it was a great game. Atletico need to get their feet back up, back up in the game. I think I don't know about you, but I think they left that picture, that image of a smaller team that just buys good but cheap players. Now they're building a new stadium. They have a great squad. Simeone, that's his seventh, eighth uh, season with the team. Um, they are getting very uh, good donations from their uh, directors and both bosses out there. So I don't think we should take Atletico as one of the fewer uh, teams in La Liga anymore. I feel that they should be up there with Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, talking about big teams in La Liga. Uh, I feel that this year could be their year to do something impressive. Um, again, they're going to have competition not only with Barcelona and Real Madrid, but with Valencia that's going to be probably their biggest contestant for that third position, potentially if Barcelona or Real Madrid get to be in second or, or first at the end of this season. Um, Celta de Vigo, some great names that have been up there. Uh, Luis Enrique, who's now coach from uh, for Spain uh, Nationals team, uh, got to be their coach for a couple of seasons before uh, joining Barcelona. So he know, they, they know the style of playing that Spain likes. They know the tiki-taka. They know the good treatment of the ball. They know how to handle the ball before going to, uh, into the attack. Um, so they can do great things. They did that a lot in this Atletico game. They managed the ball really good. Their timing was perfect almost. And they got two goals. And Atletico didn't score any. And when you have guys like Griezmann and Diego Costa up there, you know that that's going to be danger. But the fact that your, your goalie got to zero goals at the end of the match, that proves that you did something good. In that game, you did something good. Yeah, but Atletico struggled in that one. They just had no shots on target. But when you have a player like uh, Griezmann, a player like Diego Costa, who I absolutely love, uh, you know, it's, it's disappointing that they don't that they don't score that. So, moving on, Real Madrid four, and Leganes one. That's right. Great game. Um, still, Real Madrid still up in that stage of not knowing um, how to handle with the absence of Ronaldo. To be fair, honest, a lot of the people that write for big media sport companies were very 
I would say harsh towards Real Madrid because they didn't get any good players in the offense part. They just sold uh, Kovacic, uh, Ronaldo, but they didn't get any good players as far as name goes. Besides Mariano, who joined last day of the Ronaldo's transfer market, number. Ronaldo's number. Um, That's big time. I saw big him play shooting. a little bit for the international uh, friendly matches that were held here in the U.S. Uh, and he plays really good. Very, very fast player. Olympique de Lyonnais got a very good hand on him last season. I think I feel like he could do bigger, bigger things that we that people have said so far. But he's not Ronaldo. Yeah, he's never gonna fulfill Ronaldo's shoes. And people were expecting that after Ronaldo left. Real Madrid, we're going to get someone better. We're going to get a Hazard. We're going to get an Aubameyang. We're going to get a Neymar even. Mbappé. They didn't get that. But instead of that, they got a great, 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 great form of playing soccer now. 4-1, that's a great result. Besides the fact that they lost um, the cup against Atletico at the beginning of the season, La Liga has been all, all goals for them. 4-1 against Leganes. Leganes are not known for being one of the better teams in La Liga. They still gave some fight. It was 1-1 at some point in the match. But then Real Madrid with Karim Benzema, who's just scoring goals like crazy. El Gato, like people say he is, scored at the 48th minute and 61st minute of the second half. Gart Bale opened the score for Los Blancos at the 17th minute. And Sergio Ramos, via penalty kick at the 66th minute, ended up the four goals for Real Madrid. You see the stats on this game, Zach. Madrid had 77 possession of the ball. And we know that Real Madrid is not a team like Chelsea or Arsenal that would have the ball, but not necessarily would show any threat towards the other team. But this time, and even last season, Real Madrid has shown that while having possession, they can be really, really dangerous towards the other team. Uh, just some stats, even go, going further into the possession, they had 17 shots, which eight of them went straight to the goalie. Four of them got scored, so that's 50-50% efficiency of, of shots. Uh, that was pretty good. It was a very intense game, 11 falls per side. But Real Madrid got the win. Um, I filled up without Ronaldo in the team. Karim Benzema, Gareth Bale, Modric, even best player in Croatia, just won um, best UEFA player um, last week, are finding a new face of themselves, are just discovering what they can do without having the big star out there. Because you're not going to deny this, when Ronaldo was in the squad, it was him, all the cameras were on him, what he would do, his personal fight against Messi, against Champions League, against like his personal best. And Gareth Bale was there but wasn't in getting in the shadow was not getting all the attention that he needed to perform as good as he's performing now Karim Benzema is just a brand new player to me this season has been a renewer season for Karim Benzema he's just scoring goals like crazy he's positioning himself very good in the field he's getting all the balls out there and people know that they can look to him and he's going to score thing that in the past in this past season actually he wasn't able to do he was always getting subbed or always getting in a position where he wasn't feeling comfortable with. But now, without Ronaldo, I feel like that has opened to him a brand new door for goals. And he has a lot now so far in the season. Yep, tied with Messi for number one. Tied with Messi. goals each. And speaking of Messi, we're talking about a lot of goals. Barcelona, eight. Wow. Eight goals that they wow. scored, which is like the first time I think they've done that since like 2012, which 
is funny because that's a lot of goals, and it seems like it would have been longer since the team had done that. But big-time win for them. They needed a lot if they wanted to go top of the table, and they got it. So they're in the number one spot on goal difference. They are. They are. Eight goals, like you're saying. It's not easy. Not easy scoring eight goals. Even um, West Sky is not one of the bigger teams in La Liga this season, and they're probably not going to be even when the season starts off with more than three games. But Barcelona started off this game by losing. Believe it or not, uh, Caucho Hernandez at the third minute score for Huesca, 19 years old. He's never going to forget that day. I remember nope. the commentators in that game were saying that when he's 81, he'll tell his grandchildren that he scored that first goal in Camp No against Barcelona. It was a pretty intense game for the very first, I would say, 25 minutes. Uh, Barcelona had the game like had like they always have. They had the position. They had the balls. They had the chances. And they started off with their best squad. It's funny how um, Valverde is trying to experience with his team. Everyone was, before the game, they were wanting to put Malcolm, his new Brazilian, mm-hmm. their new Brazilian addition to the team. Maybe a little bit of Arthur there, like the Brazilian team um, squatting up. Too. I mean, so he's always in the discussion of whether or not Dembele, who, who starts where, what. I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. He's. His, I th- there were a lot of rumors before the season started that he was going to leave Barcelona. He was not performing well. They paid a h- over 100 pa- uh, million euros for him. He was not showing off. He got injured most of the season last season. I think he was injured for six months. But now he's a brand-new player, just like Karim Benzema. Messi didn't go anywhere, but Osama Dembele is just a different player. He scored that winner goal against Sevilla in the, the Cup, which was just a pure fireball. Uh, and after that, the press, even in Barcelona, just started to cool down against him. Because there, there was this big, I don't know if you saw it, like sports and Mundo Deportivo, which are the biggest um, sport presses and newspapers in Barcelona. They had this undercover campaign against this guy. They wanted him to leave somehow. But ended up staying, and now he's just scoring like crazy. Uh, a little bit of stats on the game. Lionel Messi had a... Double double goals right here with uh, the first one at the 16th minute and 61st. Then Jorge Pulido um, scoring his own uh, goalie at the 24th. Then Luisito Suarez scoring two goals at the 30th, 9th minute and the last minute of the game, actually, via penalty kick. Then Belay, the guy that we were just talking about, scored also in the 48th minute. Ivan Rakitic with a striker right-handed shot in the 52nd minute, and Jordi Alba in the 80th first minute. That makes up for the eight goals that Barcelona had. It was an impressive performance. Lionel Messi only had two goals, but he actually did the game for Barcelona. He gave some passes that I don't think anyone playing soccer professionally right now could make. He's just not playing as a striker, but also playing as a midfielder. And I think that's the position that he feels more comfortable with. And personally, I feel like that's the position that the team needs him the most. They got good players. Coutinho is playing in ESS position that Barcelona is still trying to figure out how they're going to cover that position. Because Iniesta, as we know, it is unreplaceable. Even no matter the player you bring to the team, he was unreplaceable. And after playing in Barcelona for over 18 years, um, they were going to miss him. But I feel... Valverde is doing a good job in th- that transition of getting a new midfielder, but he's also scared of proving and trying with a new player. 
you could see that in this game, the first substitute was not until the 70th minute. Arthur and Arturo Vidal got in the game. That was with the game already, I think, 6-2. Six, six so that tells you the little bit of afraid of his of putting the players up in the squad. Overall, great game for Barcelona. They needed five goals to be on top of the league, which they got. Now they have a plus 10 difference on goals and nine points tied with Real Madrid. And Celta de Vigo, the, the team that just won against Atletico de Madrid, is up there in number three, third one in the in the position board, with just seven points, just two behind the leaders. So we'll see how that displays. Only three games into the season so far. And they still got. They still have a lot of games to go. A lot of good teams, um, but we'll see how they develop. Anything else you want to say about La Liga? No, I think that's what we have, and that's pretty much cover ups all the great teams and all the good matches that we had this past weekend. Cool. So why don't we go ahead and move on to MLS now? Um, and we're going to talk about that shortly because Alex is still learning about MLS. I am. Um, so let me just give you a quick crash course. So there's, sure. let's see how many teams are there now? 23, I think there's 23 teams split between two conferences, Eastern and Western, um, top six teams in each conference, make it to the playoffs. We're coming towards the latter part of the season. Uh, most teams have played anywhere between 27 or 28 games. Things are heating up. Just a few of the matches that came off this weekend. There was a couple of big results. I actually got to witness one live. I was down in Orlando not too long ago this wow. weekend and got to see their 2-2 draw with Philadelphia Union. Um, Orlando City is a team that I support in MLS, and we're going to have to find one for you as you get more Absolutely, into it. Yeah. I have a feeling you're going to be an Atlanta United fan, just wow. something tells me. Uh, but Orlando City is, the, t- the game that I went to was typical Orlando City. They were losing for most of the game. They score a very late equalizer. Literally, he's Scott Sutter scored the goal as it ticked over the 90th minute. Wow. That's classic Orlando. They're just they're such a bad team. They've been in the league since 2014 or 2015. I was there for the opener. I go every year for the opener. Um, drive down from North Carolina to see them. It's my I've seen them three times this season. Two times at home. One time away in DC. And uh, they're just they're it's disappointing to watch them play. They were really they started off really well this season. Um, I thought they were going to – they've never made the playoffs in the three or four seasons they've been in the league. Had the coach at the start of the season, ended up firing him, got a new guy, James O'Connor, and they've been disappointing. They won, I think, like their first three, four, five, six, something like that game, and then lost 13 in a row. Wow. Um, with one draw in between, it's like the worst record ever for a team game that any team's ever had in MLS, um, beating their own record, Orlando City said earlier. So just disappointing. Bad. Another pretty bad result, honestly. Against the Philadelphia Union team, in fact, did not have that. Moving on, Red Bulls, um, who are top of the Eastern Conference, lost 3-0 to the Montreal Impact. Um, interesting to see how the top of that one takes out. Big game, Columbus Crew, New York City FC. Of course, mm. New York City FC has David Villa, who's a player you're familiar with. Played all over the place. Played Barcelona for three yeah. seasons. Yeah. Yeah, Let's go Madrid, play all over the place. A wonderful player. Lost to the Columbus Crew. Um I, I try to make comparisons for you and for the people at home like who these teams That'll are. Be helpful, yeah. Yeah, and like how they play, and you'll kind of understand more of it. The the big teams in the Eastern Conference, used to it was the Eastern Conference was weaker than the Western Conference, but it's kind of switched around now, and the, what, the Eastern Conference is actually stronger. So the, the teams that are really competing for that top spot in the Eastern Conference are New York Red Bulls, Atlanta United, New York City FC, and the Columbus Crew. Those four are really fighting for it. So uh, 
the Columbus crew are five points off of New York City with a game in hand. So this is a big deal, closing that gap. They're already in a playoff spot, but they're still trying to continue to push higher up in the Eastern Conference. So that was a big win for them. I'd say the biggest result of the weekend was uh, D.C. United's win over Atlanta United. So D.C. United were building a new stadium this year. I got to go up and see two games there earlier this summer. And uh, they played, like, the first 15 games. Uh, they only had two home games or something like that. They played a lot of games on the road, had a terrible record, were bottom of the conference, just really bad off. But they played so many on the road. They signed Wayne Rooney. They get the new stadium. And they've been on fire ever since. The I Wayne think, Rooney effect. Yeah, yeah. And I, I got to see him score a couple of goals. I got For someone who saw it, they would know. If you haven't seen it, go look up his assist against Orlando City. It was like the 94th minute. It was a 50-yard pass to the shortest guy on the pitch. It's the craziest thing I think I've ever seen. It was just incredible. Zach, was that painful to watch? It was horrible. Um, actually, it ripped my heart out and stomped on it. It was just awful. But it was such a cool moment. It was ruled off sides originally. And I was happy, but I was also sad. And they eventually VAR'd and returned it, uh, turned right. it over. And I was happy for the fans there, actually, because that's such an awesome soccer moment. I wouldn't want to take that away from them. So it was disappointing. But Good. that's what it is to be an Orlando City fan. The whole point of that is is that they are um, 25 games played. The team, they're in eighth, two spaces below the last playoff spot. The team that is in the playoff spot has 28 games. So D.C. United are three games behind, and they're only six points behind. Wow. So if they win the three games in hand, they're automatically in the playoffs. They were at the bottom of the league, bottom, and they've worked their way up. They have a really good shot at still making it in. So. As you continue to pay more attention and hope other people at home, we're going to see how the rest of the season unfolds. Just so you know, top scorer, Yosef Martinez, uh, Venezuelan, plays for Atlanta United, 28 goals in 27 games. He has broken every record of The guy is remarkable. I hate Atlanta United because I'm an Orlando (laughs) fan, but the guy is on another level. The next closest, just for reference, is Zlatan, the 16. Zlatan. And that's how much he's outpacing Zlatan, Bradley Wright Phillips. I mean, he's just crushing everybody on the list. Wow. And Atlanta has a very, very talented squad. Miguel Almiron, Paraguayan, Ezekiel Barco, young Argentinian. I think he's going to be a big-time star in Europe uh, if he can get sold over there. Nico Elvetti, they've, they've signed a bunch of big guys. So it's interesting to see. And we'll, we'll follow more up on the MLS Absolutely. as we continue to go. Absolutely. So, we'll uh, do that. To wrap it up, we're going to go to the international break. Unfortunately, that's what we're at. International break, uh, the Nations Leagues, CONCACAF, Nations League, UEFA Nations League, the very confusing being that is yesterday – France, Germany played to a nil-nil draw. Pretty unremarkable game. In the end, uh, it doesn't mean much for their group. So let's let's just go ahead and try to tackle this beast. Of Absolutely, the it's it's, a, it's quite a strong and big beast to tackle. Let me tell you, because people are still trying to figure it's out confusing. what this means and all the leagues and all the teams going on. I don't know if you want me to start saying something about it. it. Okay, um, did some research here. Um, and the lead, the the UEFA Nations League, it's actually divided into leagues right now. So it's League A, League B, League C, and all the way through League D. So if you're thinking about that, each league, depending on their first letter after league, um, determines the quality of the team. Well, yeah, it does, actually. Um, there's four groups in each league, starting off with Group A. One in League A, which is Germany, France, uh, a game we just had yesterday. 
and the Netherlands. In Group A2, we have Belgium, Switzerland, Iceland. Uh, in Group A3, we have Portugal, Italy, and Poland. And in Group A4, we have Spain, England, and Croatia. And just for reference, it says here that four group winners play off for the UEFA Nations League trophy in June of 2019. We'll give a little bit more explanation on that later on. Um, keeping up with the leagues, it says here that four sides that finish bottom of the groups relegate to League B for 2020 edition. Top four ranked League A teams do not qualify for the UEFA Euro 2020. Enter playoffs in March 2020 with the with one Euro final place on offer. So as you can see, now we're moving from group stages only to leagues, and a little bit of this uh, new UEFA. Uh, Nations League uh, stated that uh, Giovanni Infantino, which is the UEFA General Secretary, uh, in 2004, this was being planned for a while, um, stated that one of the benefits of the proposal will be to help less glamorous national associations arrange games. The Football Association's chairman, Greg Dyke, said that the proposal is very attractive as England will be expected to play against top-ranking national teams. Rojo Belgian Football Association General Secretary Stephen Martins said that the lower-ranked nations would still benefit financially from the competition as the television contract with UEFA will be centralized. Um, a little bit of background of this UEFA Nations League is that it was a uh, format. Um, it's now the 55 UEFA national teams, including Kosovo, which divided into four divisions called leagues. 12 teams in League A, 12 teams in League B, and 15 teams in League C, and 16 teams in League D. In each league, four groups are formed, three or four teams in each group, and play each other both home and away. In the top league, League A, the winners of the four groups go on to play in the Nations, Nations League final, with two semifinals and one final to decide which team becomes a UEFA Nations League champion. What do you think about this, Zach? I'm not sure yet. We're going to have to see how it goes. Uh, just, I mean, just look at the groups, okay? So France, Germany, Netherlands, tough. Italy, Poland, Portugal, tough. It's Croatia, England, Spain, tough. You're Very saying tough. one of those teams goes through to the Nations League final, whatever that is, and one team is relegated to League B with teams, and, I, and I'll look them up exactly, teams that aren't as strong as the ones they're playing against. I think that's tough. I mean, for a team like England that's in there with Croatia and Spain, if they get relegated, they're going to go down to this League B where they're playing lesser yeah. teams. And if that's the whole point is to be playing high-level teams, then there's an opportunity that they won't be doing that. I don't know. I like it for the fact that smaller teams of smaller nations have the ability to work their way up. There's there's something there. There's something tangible. They're never going to make it to the Euros. They're just not. They're not going to make it to the World Cup. Right. But they have a system and a format to work their way up that they can win games, be promoted, go and play larger teams in a meaningful match. It's going to be televised. So I like it for their aspect. For the big teams, I, I'm just not quite as sure that it's going to be a good format for them to progress in. And like I said, I'm not sure. So I, I've got the table here for the League B. So they would be playing teams like Ukraine, Russia, Sweden, Austria, Wales, Denmark, Ireland. Those aren't bad teams at all, but there's a noticeable difference between the two. So yeah. it's nice, I guess, in a sense that the big teams are playing the big teams, smaller teams are playing the smaller teams, but we're early. It's literally the first time they're doing this, so I don't want to make any assumptions, but 
I've kind of got a bad taste about it. The CONCACAF's doing the same thing. I like the idea. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if the execution yeah. is going to be good. But like I said, I don't want to make judgments before we find out how it really works. And uh, if this is the permanent system they go with, we're going to have to get used to it. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. It'll be interesting, uh, I would say. But just to see the quality, maybe not the quality, but the names of the leagues and the teams. So you get in Group B, like you're saying, Russia, or even a, a nation as Denmark, um, or even... Um, Sweden, which they were in the last workup, playing against a League D team such as Faroe Island or Malta or San Marino. I don't know if you have ever seen uh, any of their games. Neither do I. So, Well, actually, it's funny because I've actually seen San Marino play because there's a Twitter account where it's a guy who's like a fan of San Marino. He's, I guess he's English or whatever, but it's hilarious because... Well, he's tweeting, and they always lose eight nil or something like that. Right. He's always like, just score a goal, anything, just score a goal. That's funny. So I kind of, I'm kind of glad for the smaller teams though that they're not in a group with Russia, England, and Spain. Absolutely. And they're getting crushed twelve nothing every game. They're playing in a league where even if they don't win, they're still going to be more competitive, and it feels like they're playing for something tangible. When you're in the group of death, like San Marino is with any team, pretty much. It's difficult to get motivated for that, I imagine. I mean, you're always the underdog, which is nice. But when you're playing a team that you know you can beat, yeah. that gives you some incentives. Absolutely. I, I do like it for the small teams. So a lot of what soccer has become in this past decade, I think, it's financially motivated. Motivated. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It seem that way. Absolutely. It's just the World Cup with 60, what is it, 62, 64 teams. It's a large It's number. a larger amount of teams in the World Cup. Uh, yeah, smaller countries get to get get to play uh, with countries maybe their same quality, with a chance of playing for a higher teams, um, with playing against a higher team. But again, I think UEFA just saw, and even Concacaf, they just saw a possibility of making more money in these stadiums in these countries. Because if you see even groups these um, teams, they are not poor countries at all. They're all over Europe, so. Yeah. They do have their financial, you know, stability. So the fact that they're, be, they're going to be able to play, and people that probably have never seen their national team play with another team that's probably their same quality is going to be great. It's going to be amazing. I remember when San Marino actually played England at um the Wembley Stadium. Yep. It was, what was it, 6-1, 5-1? Something like that. There was even a ESPN's um, kind of documentary about it. Um, so teams like that, you know, that they will never get to play a team like England or Spain or Portugal in their normal um, UEFA Europe Cup, they are going to be able to do that. But it's just more profit for UEFA as an overall organization, which can be good if they're going to put that money towards developing their brand even more, developing even more countries into becoming bigger um, nations in soccer. But we'll see how it goes. We'll still have plenty of time this tournament goes on for two years so we'll have to wait until two years to see the results of this whole mess with european teams just some games that we're going to have for the wefa nations league it's israel albania uh for today at 245 eastern time italy poland at 245 eastern time uh lithuania serbia uh turkey and russia are playing as well today uh for tomorrow or weekend agenda goes on with the first game in the morning at uh, at night in the morning Eastern time. Northern Ireland playing Bosnia and Herzegovina. We'll get to see Vizeko there, the ex-Roma player, uh, putting his 
physic and his good quality for scoring goals up there against uh, Northern Ireland. And then we got some good games like Ireland, Iceland with, against Switzerland, England, Spain, which which in the picture is supposed to be a good game. We'll see how they, all these nations uh, play after the World Cup performance. We saw the World Cup champion yesterday playing against Germany, the ex-World Cup champion. Uh, 0-0 the result. Uh, in the last game for tomorrow, it's Luxembourg against Moldova. Uh, we have some Major League Soccer games tomorrow. Zag, do you know anything about that? I do, but I want to touch on a couple of friendlies that we have this Absolutely. afternoon. I'm wearing my USA jersey. The United States takes on Brazil tonight. Interesting to see. It's a pretty young squad. They've got fielded. No Christian Pulisic. People are saying, oh, well, he's not committed to the national team. I don't blame the guy for not being picked. I mean, he has he has a big season coming up with uh, Borussia Dortmund, so I, I don't blame him for not coming. Colombia, Venezuela ought to be not bad. Mexico, Uruguay. Um, that one should be pretty Great fun. Great game. Uh, those are just friendlies, though, so nothing really in them. We'll see how they go. But, yeah, there's lots of stuff coming up, um, and it'll be interesting to see how it all goes in the leagues and Major League Soccer, um, NYCFC, D.C. United, big one, especially for D.C. They need to win most of their games. They need to average something like two points a game or something like that. It, they just need to win. Sporting KC, Orlando City, that's a big one. Um, you know, Orlando probably doesn't have a shot at the playoffs, but they got to keep going. Lots of people are gone for both teams. Uh, Sporting Kansas City have a lot. It's the thing about Major League Soccer is they don't take international breaks, and they also play during the summer. So they're both teams are missing some players thanks to all of that. Just also, like Argentinian Cup, I was going to say, they also keep playing while international breaks are yep. on. So they got some players missing either for the team or the national team. Yep. And just a little plug, the best women's team in the world is playing tomorrow, the North Carolina Courage. Absolutely. Um, Go Courage. Top of the NWSL. We are in North Carolina, so we're going to rep them. In, um, North Carolina FC is also playing tomorrow. And some plugs for Campbell because they got to do it. I am shameless. Tomorrow, Campbell University's men's team takes on Davidson. So that's at 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. I will be on the call for that one. I hope to see you guys over there also. See you guys over there for Campbell University. And uh, Sunday, the the women's team will play VMI at 2 o'clock. We don't want to run you out for too much time. We're going to continue to put this podcast out. We want to try and do it at the end of every week. We're going to try and preview, review games that are going on. We're going to try and keep this in and around an hour. We went over that a little bit today just because we're starting out. Um, excuse us if we said something incorrect, if we did something. We're just here to have a good time. I hope you guys enjoy That's listening right. to it. We're going to try and give you the most accurate information we can. Um, and we're going to keep improving. We're going to be up on social media soon. I hope you're streaming this over all of our um, platforms. We're going to try to have something up on Twitter, maybe something Instagram. We'll Absolutely. see how that goes, and we're going to continue expanding. This is episode one. We hope you stick with us for all of the episodes. We hope you enjoyed it. Anything you want to close with, Alex? Thank you for listening, guys. Uh, like we said, this is my first time doing a podcast. I don't know Ooh. if it's your first time it doing is. a podcast. Hope so, you guys can't tell that. <laughs> yeah, I think they can, yeah. yeah <laughs> so, first of all, just um, we're sorry if we said anything that was not supposed to be said. We are trying to get more informed every single week. And like Zach yeah. was saying, which is our first one, and it's going to keep growing from now on. So, just better information, speed guest, um, just wait for you know, phone calls and stuff like that once we get everything figured out. But just thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, craving some more soccer, even though it's there's no 
um, European leagues coming up this weekend, but there are some national leagues. So just thank you for listening, and we we'll hope to see you and listen to us next time we do a podcast. Yep, hoping it's next week. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. No.